Well, I want to say welcome to everybody in our church family, and if you're watching right now, you are a part of the church family, even if it's your very first time, and I want to say hi to everybody at City First Anywhere, everyone online at Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, love you guys very much, and obviously everyone here at the Spring Creek and the Saline location, and again, like I said, it's a great, great summer. I love summer. I love summer in the Midwest because in the Midwest it means we can come out of our houses and uh, not freeze. And uh, I love the fact that we can go and hang in the backyard and like sit in a lawn chair with family and friends and converse and have a good time. Now I realize right now if you're watching from Southwest Florida, you don't want to go outside right now in the summer because it is blazing hot. But you need to realize for the last 10 months we've been cooped up here in good old Rockford, Illinois in the Midwest. And it is actually good to get outside and uh, before we have to go back in hibernation again around October or November or so. But anyway, uh, this week Jen was off on an original planning retreat with the original team, uh, planning the conferences both in southwest Florida and up here in the, in the state line area. And uh, Paxton, our nine-year-old, uh, he was like super tired uh, that night, and he went to bed at like 8 o'clock, and my older two boys were off with friends doing things, which means I was by myself pretty much in our house, and so I did just that. I went out on our back porch, and I sat in a chair, and I looked at the starry night, and it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal night. And I began to think about life, and I began to think about, you know, kind of the dreams that I had, and the dreams that God had put in my heart, and things that I'd like to do for God. And it was an inspirational moment. It was like one of these moments. It was like a movie moment, you know? And, and it reminded me of a story a real-life story about dreaming in a lawn chair that took place decades ago by a man by the name of Larry Waters. And Larry Waters was a truck driver who lived in Southern California in L.A. And uh, his lifelong dream was that he wanted to fly. And so right out of high school, he went into the Air Force, and he decided he wanted to try to fly uh, jet fighters. But unfortunately, he did not have 20-20 eyesight, and so he was disqualified from being able to become a pilot. And instead, he worked in the mess hall, basically peeling potatoes. And it wasn't quite the dream that he wanted, and so once he left the Air Force, uh, he basically was relegated to having to sit in his backyard of his home and watch as airplanes would take off and land at LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, and he would just sit there and observe the magic of flight. And one day, one day, Larry decided that he was going to do something crazy. He had an idea. He went down to the local Army-Navy surplus store, and he purchased a helium tank and 45 weather balloons. Now, weather balloons are not like party balloons when you have a birthday, but weather balloons are instead, they're like about three feet in diameter, and they're made to go way, way high and carry like instruments into the atmosphere so the meteorologists can find out what's going on, you know? And, and so he's in his backyard and he's taking these 45 weather balloons that are deflated at the time and he's te tethering them, tying them to his lawn chair. And then he took a rope and he tethered basically the lawn chair to the bumper of his Jeep that he had pulled into the backyard. And one by one, he began to inflate these weather balloons until finally the lawn chair was levitating and, and, and it was kind of in a sense flying. And so then he went inside, true story, went inside and packed some sandwiches. 
he grabbed a couple of beers and a pellet gun. And he had a plan. And what he was going to do is he decided that he was going to fly because he wasn't able to do so in a plane. He was going to figure out a way to fly. And his plan was to basically sit in his lawn chair and have the weather balloons kind of lazily float him above the neighborhood. He'd eat his sandwiches, drink a couple of beers. He'd take his pellet gun, shoot a couple of the balloons, and he would kind of come back down to terra firma. But that's not exactly what happened, because what really happened is he got in the chair and he packed all his stuff. He had his little pellet gun. He cut the rope that was attached to his Jeep, and he shot up like a rocket to 15,000 feet. That is three miles in the air. And at that altitude, he's scared to death, and he's afraid to shoot any of the balloons with his pellet gun because he's afraid he's going to drop like a rock and die. And so instead, he floated helplessly above L.A. And finally, the winds took him into the approach corridor of LAX where planes are landing, and there was a Pan Am flight. Now, I realize some of you may not be old enough to know, but there was actually an airline called Pan Am. There was a Pan Am flight that was coming into approach into LAX, and the pilot looks out his window and sees a man with balloons <laughs> and a lawn chair, and he reports to the control tower, there's a man floating in a lawn chair with a gun at 15,000 feet. And so at that point, Larry kind of musters up enough guts going, I got to get down somehow. And so he takes his pellet gun, he shoots a couple of the balloons, they pop, and then he drops his pellet gun. He lost grip and dropped it. And he didn't know what to do. So he just sat there. But thankfully, he had shot enough of the balloons, and maybe some of the ones that had helium were losing their lift, and he began to slowly descend back into L.A., but unfortunately, he was heading right towards some power lines. Well, as the story goes, he gets caught in the power lines, but because the tethers were, were plastic, he was not electrocuted, but instead, there is Larry hanging there from the power lines until finally the firemen could come and get him. They had to cut the power, and Long Beach, California, lost electricity for 20 minutes as they were rescuing Larry Waters from the power lines. True story. When Larry was brought back down to earth, he was immediately arrested because evidently this is illegal to do. <laughs> and as he's, being, as he's being led away in handcuffs, um, a reporter yelled out to Larry, said, Mr. Mr. Waters, why in the world did you do that? And his answer is absolutely phenomenal. This is what Larry said. He said, it is something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years. And if I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up in the funny farm. And then he goes on to say this, a person just can't sit around. And I thought to myself, that you know what, Larry is maybe a couple fries short of a happy meal, but, but I love his spirit. And I love the fact that he had a dream and he decided that instead of giving up on the dream that it was in his heart, that he would not just sit around, that he would actually create a plan to fulfill his dream. And I love that about Larry. And today, City First, 
My message I want to tell you this morning is this, is that a person can't just sit around. And too many of us in our lives, we are sitting and we are waiting and we're taking this one and only precious life and we're just sitting on our dreams. And we're wasting time on things that don't matter. And we're wasting energy on stuff that really doesn't count. And we're spending a lot of money on temporary things that don't really move us towards our dream. They just pacify us. And we're wasting effort on unfulfilling activities. And we're, we're just sitting, wasting our focus and attention on people and situations that steal our joy and distract us from our God-given purpose. For some of us today, on this Sunday, I want to give a clarion call. It's time to quit sitting around. It's time to quit just sitting on our purpose. But instead, today I'm praying that God gives us some lift, you could say. That God gives us some lift because this is what I know, that you were created for more. Now, I realize some of you are in a good place right now. Like, you're like, no, man, I'll tell you what, I'm busy. I am accomplishing my God-given purpose. I'm living the dream. Well, I want to say this, that you are also created for more. There's more. You aren't at the pinnacle of your life. And for those of us that say, well, I'm far from that. In fact, COVID knocked me off my feet, and I'm just here. Well, I want you to know that you were created for more, no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, if you have breath, God has more. God has more, I believe with all my heart. And he has more for you to be, he has more for you to do, and he has more for you to give. And those are the three things that I wanna to talk to you about. The first one, more for you to be. You and I, have not arrived when it comes to our Christ-likeness. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit wants to do oh so much more in you. Now we'll talk about through you, but I want to talk first about in you. Because this work of art and the work of art that you are in Christ is not finished yet. Like the Bible talks about that we are on the potter's wheel. We are clay and we are being spun around sometimes until we're dizzy. But guess what? We are being shaped and we are being molded into the image of Christ. Our character is still being refined and our motives are still being tweaked and our actions are still needing to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Amen? Or am I the only one that's still in process, right? All of us are in process. None of us have arrived. You may have walked with Jesus for decades, and guess what? You still need to become more like Christ, right? In the 1990s, there was this commercial that Gatorade did with Michael Jordan, and it had this jingle that once it got in your head, it would never come out. And that is the jingle that went, I want to be like Mike. And it was this jingle that when you would watch it, guess what? People were like singing it. They're at work going, I want to be like Mike. You know, it was like in your head. In fact, I want to bless you this morning. I want to bless you so much. I'm going to show you this commercial. Watch this, all right? Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. Like Mike, I wanna be like Mike. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Be like Mike. 
You are welcome. You are welcome. Today over lunch, you're going to be like, I want to be like Mike. You're like, ah, right? Well, here, this is the thing. It got stuck in all of our heads in the 90s. Millions and millions of people actually would know that song. And really, the message was drink Gatorade and you'll be like Michael Jordan. And that's not necessarily true. But can I tell you something? I know a lot of us right now in our lives, wherever location we're at right now, many of you, you want to be more like Jesus. You want to be more like him in your thoughts and in your character and your compassion. You want to be like him in your actions and your holiness and in your love. And it's your dream. And sometime I dream that he's like me, that he is me, is how the words go in that song. And many times I think there's a dream that there would be more of Jesus in us. And I want you to know something. It's actually Jesus' dream for you to be like him also. Like that's God's dream for you. Like, he has a dream, his desire. Some of are like, I want to know the will of God. You know what the will of God is? You're more like Jesus. That's the will of God. And you're like, well, I need a little bit more information on that. Well, that will take your entire life, just so you know. And, and, and here's the thing. You and I, we cannot be more like Jesus than you and I could be like Michael Jordan playing basketball at the height of his career. I know some of you are like, no, I'm a good baller. I mean, no, not compared to Michael Jordan, okay? I, I, I know you got some J's on and you drink some Gatorade and stuff like that, but that's, that's not at all, not, you're not even close, right? In the same way that even on our best day, we're not even close to being like Jesus. Really? I mean, let's be honest. But here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to help you every day to be more and more and more like me. Where, where you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to help you in your character. I'm going to help you in your motives. I'm going to help you in your mindset and your worldview and your love. All these things. But it's going to be an entire life's process, and we can't give up. Um, many times we talk about the Apostle Paul in our messages here at City First, and he's the guy who is kind of iconic, you could say, as one of the spiritual leaders in the New Testament. He wrote more than half of what we now call the New Testament. They're originally letters to churches. Listen to what he says in his letter to the Church of Rome. And I want to tell you, this is literally years before he dies. So he has accomplished a lot by the time he writes this letter. He has actually become iconic in many ways by the time that he has written this letter. He is looked at as the apostle of like Christendom at that time. I mean, like he is very reputable. And if anybody's, he's like, he's like the Pope, but times a hundred. Does that make sense? And this is what he says in Romans chapter seven. He writes this. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. Now let me pause there a minute. What he's saying is, he's saying, I know all the commands. I know what the Bible says. I know what Jesus taught I know it. It's in here. But it hasn't taken the 18-inch journey from my head to my heart. And guess what? It hasn't fleshed out in my life all the way yet. 
Oh, it has incrementally, but I have so far to go, he would say. And in the same way, I would tell you, even as your pastor, I know the Bible. I'm not being braggadocious. It's what I do for a living. I probably know it more than most of you. But yet, I stand before you today as a flawed creature saying, even though I know it, it doesn't mean I always do it. And you're the same way, right? We know it. We know the commands. We know the instructions of Jesus. But yet, like Paul, we cry out and we say, but I need more. I need something more than just knowing it because knowing it is not necessarily doing it, right? So I need more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I love that language, I obviously need help. How many of you need help today, right? I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. This is Paul at the end of his life. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. There's no one who can do anything for me. Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, a life of contradictions. I mean, come on. Is that not our story? A life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. You know what this tells me? You can't change you. And I can't change me. Only Jesus can. Some of you right now are so discouraged because you keep on tripping over the same log in the forest spiritually, right? You keep on giving in to that pet sin, that Achilles heel. This is why the Bible says that God's mercy is new every morning. His mercies, actually plural is how it goes, every morning are new. Every morning. Like for those of you that are parents, you know this. You can be frustrated as heck with your kids at night. Like you can be mad. You got an argument at the dinner table. You're like not saying very much before everybody goes to bed. You're like laying in bed going, oh, that kid drives me crazy. And guess what? You wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm loving my kid. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's a part of you that's like going, wow, that argument seems like 100 years ago. Why? Because your mercy for them is new every morning. And if you as a flawed parent feel that, how much more perfectly and how much more does God feel that with you and I? Every morning he gets up and he's like, yeah, Jer, drove me crazy yesterday, but I love him today. 
thank God, because I need his mercies every morning to be new. I need him because, because guess what? This doesn't give us a license to sin. And this is the common thought, I want to just tell you, now that's happening and is really um, pretty prevalent in our world, like <laughs> the theology on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all that, which many times is crap. Can I tell you, all right, can I tell you that that theology is like, well, I can just sin and do whatever because God loves me. It's almost this idea of like, just God loves me so I can live any way I want. No, actually, God says this. Now that I've purchased you with a great price on the cross, you're mine, which means this. Jesus would say, you live my way, and in the process, I'm going to help you, and you're going to fail a whole bunch. But guess what? I'm going to give mercy to you every day. Grace to you that is amazing. But every day, you're losing less and less, in a sense, losing you, and you're gaining more and more of me, Jesus said. So you go away, and me comes into play, Jesus would say. So therefore, it's not a license to sin. His grace is so amazing that you want to become more like Jesus. I want to be more like him, right? This gives us the ability to be able to not just know him, to not just be forgiven by Jesus, but every day to get up and say, Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. If the enemy cannot have you, now that you've given your life to Jesus, made him the leader and the forgiver of your life, if he can't have you, he's going to discourage you. Like I'm sitting right now standing in front of a bunch of people who just got back from summer camp, and you know what? It was an amazing summer camp, and I will tell you that many of them said, Jesus, I want to give my life to you, and I would just say this. I would say to every person, whether you went on summer camp or you're 99 years old, if you've given your life to Jesus, the devil can't have you anymore, so what he's going to try to do is discourage you. That's what he's going to do. He's going to discourage you because you're going to feel like you're not good enough and you keep tripping up over that same sin over and over and over and finally you're just like, I give up. No, listen, God has more for you. More for you to be. And he's going to help you and he's going to have grace and mercy for you. But also, he has more for you to do. Not just to be, but to do. Secondly, we know this, is that God has more for you to do. God has more for you to do. It says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know what I am doing, says God. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. This is my favorite Bible verse, all right? Now, this is the thing. Most people quote this verse. They don't know the context of the verse. The context of the verse is God is speaking to a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, a great name, Jeremiah. And uh, anyway, he's talking to the people of God, but the people of God are not living a free life at that point. They're in captivity, in exile, to a pagan culture called Babylon. What had happened was years prior, the Babylonian army had come in and basically ta taken God's people out of Jerusalem, stole them from their homes, men, women, and children, and brought them into exile many, many miles away. And so this, this verse, or what originally was a prophetic word given to those people, these people are in a sense slavery. They are in exile. And earlier in chapter 29, God says this, I see that you are in exile. I've not have forgotten about you, but you will be in exile for another 70 years. Seven zero. 70 years. 70 years. But while you are in exile, I want you to marry. I want you to build homes. I want you to build businesses. I want you to plant roots. I want you to be a blessing. And 
after 70 years, verse 11, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you in exile and in the rescue and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. What's the future these people hope for? Freedom. They want to go back home. But in the meantime, they're in exile. That really gives a little bit more color to this verse, doesn't it? In other words, that resonates with some of us. Some of us right now, we're in circumstances and situations and relationships and careers and financial situations and health situations that are kind of like being in exile. It's not where you want to be. And you're wondering, has God abandoned me? No, no. You know what? He's with you, and he has a future for you. He knows what he's doing. He has not forgotten you, and he will bring you out of that. But man, it may be a long time. I guarantee you the people hearing that message back thousands of years ago were like, 70 years? Could it be more like seven days? 70 years. You know, we realize this, that God wants to do something not only in us, there's more for us to be, but through us, there's more for us to do, even though our circumstances are not perfect. If you are waiting for perfect circumstances, you are going to sit on God's purpose and your dream forever, to quote a movie. <laughs> there was a survey done of 95-year-olds, and uh, they asked them a question, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? They responded in three different ways. Basically, all their answers fit into pretty much three different categories. First of all, they said, we would slow down and reflect more. So they would have slowed down. It wouldn't have been so fast-paced through life, blowing through the stages of life. Number two, they would do more with their, their lives that would live on long after they were gone. So they, they were like, we would probably not be just so in the moment or so invested in things that are just temporary. We would have thought long-term and stuff that would have outlived us. And the third thing they said is this, we would have risked more and take more chances. We had to risk more and took more chances. In other words, there was a sense of like, we played too safe. Do you have a dream? Do you have a purpose that, that you're sitting on? See, dreams can be disguised as God's burdens. And what I mean by that is this, is that if you have a dream in your heart, that's really probably a burden. What bothers you? What gets your attention? What what makes you want to come up with a solution? That's a burden. So what's the burden in your heart? God may have put that there on purpose. In fact, some of you, you have a burden to create a business that blesses people, that employs people, that doesn't just create provision for your family, but for families. And you want your business to be a blessing, right? That's not just a dream. That's a burden. Some of you, you have a burden to teach children, like literally become an educator. Like you see the, the, the trends and you see the statistics and they bother you and you're like, we can do better. We need to train up this next generation. Why does that bother you? Maybe because that burden is tied to the dream that is really tied to God's purpose that he put inside of you. Do you hear that? Some of you, you have a burden to be a great parent. Some of you have a burden to, to 
build and to construct things, and you're like, I want to build houses for people or buildings, you know, so it blesses people's lives and, and they outlive me. Some of you are like, I have a burden to create music. Like you're an artist and you want to create music that blesses people. Who put that there? Did you just, were you just born with a, a natural acumen to say, I just like music? Or, or is there a burden that you think is just a dream that really is connected to a purpose that God put in you since the beginning of time and when he knit you in your mother's womb, he put that inside of you. Some of you have a burden to go into ministry and work at a church. Some of you have a, a, a burden to, to like, you know, go into medicine and help people become better. My point is, is this, every single one of us have a burden. Some of us just didn't realize it. In fact, I, I tell us to people, what bothers you many times is your burden. Some of you have thought before, you're like, man, if I ran that church, I would do this different and this different and this different. Maybe it's because God put a burden and a dream inside of you to go into ministry. That's the way I used to be. Before I became a senior pastor, I'm like, man, I think I'd do it this way. I'd do it this way. Why did God put that in me? Because he knew someday I was going to be the senior pastor. You hear that? My burden is to introduce people to Jesus and teach them to follow him. That's my burden. And that should be all of our burdens to a certain degree. But, but I'll say this, that is definitely my burden. Well, the burden is heavy. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time, sleep, prayer, convenience, comfort. Because if it's a God burden, it's not going to come easy. It's something that every single day you're going to rely on him and you're going to have to work really hard. And guess what? That dream or that burden, that purpose is not going to be fulfilled if you're just sitting on it. So some of you, God put it in you. Now you need to put action to it. Some of you have been waiting for permission. Here it is. Do it. <laughs> Some of you are like waiting, like, well, I don't know if the circumstances aren't right, and I don't know if the circumstances are never right. They're never right. The enemy will make sure of it. Therefore, if the burden that God put in your heart is ever going to come to fruition, it means that you got to get off of your chair, and you got to get a crazy idea. Maybe get a little bit of Larry in you. You know what I mean? I, I know. I know. We look at him and go, he's crazy. Yeah, but he did it. He did it. He actually achieved his dream. He flew, right? As we close, the very last point, which is a very short point, is this. Is that God has more for you to give. Now, men, I say that. Some of you are thinking money. Yeah, but I'm not just talking money. I'm talking your life. Because life is not measured by duration, it's measured by donation. Does that make sense? All of us need to ask ourselves this question. What does our life give? What does our life contribute? In the name of Jesus, what does our life give? To those around us, the world around us. See, I believe you make your life a celebration of God and invite as many people to the party as possible. Make it a celebration of God. Everything you do, whatever you do, do it with enthusiasm and passion. Even if it's not your forever job and it's just a temp job. Do it with enthusiasm and passion because this is the thing. I know 
that there's a purpose inside you that the only way to achieve it is to basically say, I'm going to get passionate and enthusiastic about it. I'm going to make my life a God party and invite as many people to come as possible. Make sure that Jesus is front and center in your life. You know, really what makes a person great is not necessarily their education or, you know, their accomplishments, but rather what it takes to discourage them. And some of us have been discouraged. And I'm calling us today to a level of greatness once again, to not get tired, to be able to dream again, to believe again, to search for God's purpose in our lives. What is it that God wants you to do? Because God put it in you, and you're not going to be happy just sitting around. And you're definitely not going to be happy scrolling on Instagram, looking at everybody else's dreams. In fact, in Galatians 6, 9, it says this, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. How? If we don't, what are those words? Give up give up. So keep going. Keep trying. Keep working. Keep praying. Keep believing. It may take time, but God does not live within the confines of time. He only lives in the terms of purpose, his purpose. So the dream will come true in time. It may take 70 years, right? But this is what I know. In the meantime, I'm going to ask God to use me and for God to use us to bless people around us in the name of Jesus, to love people around us in the name of Jesus, to help bring a smile to people around us in the name of Jesus. And the last verse before I close is found in the book of Proverbs. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In other words, in other words, that when we give, we have more. God has more for us to be, to do, and to give. I heard a story this week of a business owner that was raising money for someone who's battling cancer. And what is amazing about this story is that the business owner themselves, themselves have been through a battle with cancer. And so sometimes we bless out of our deficiencies. Sometimes we bless out of our needs. If you're waiting for all the circumstances to be perfect before you discover the more God has for you, you're going to be sitting for a really long time. It's time to get out of our chair. It's time to get active. It's time to believe that God has more for you to be, to do, and to give. Let's go ahead and pray, all right? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Before I do a final prayer, there may be some of you that just say, you know what, I, I believe God has more for me because I don't have a relationship with him. And the only way to discover the more that God has for you is to have a relationship with God, to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, to ask him to forgive you of your sin. And again, he did the heavy lifting. He died on the cross. And if you say, that's me, you're not joining a church today, you're not declaring you're going to be perfect because we just got done talking, nobody's perfect. But what you're saying is you're going to allow perfect love and the perfect Savior to come in and be the leader of your life. And so if you say, that's me, I want to invite Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, leader and forgiver, just go ahead and raise your hand and put it right back down as everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Yeah, hands are up everywhere. And I guarantee you at every location, even right now in your living room, I guarantee you there's people that are raising their hands. Can we all say a, a, a simple prayer but a, 
life-changing, eternal prayer together, all of us, so that no one feels like they're saying it by themselves, but God is listening specifically to your voice. Let's just say this prayer, inviting Jesus to become the leader and the forgiver of our lives. You ready? Here we go. Jesus, I come to you today, and I ask for forgiveness for all my sin. Thank you for dying for me and forgiving me. I want to live for you. I accept your unconditional love. Thank you, God, for giving me new life and new purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for that? Right?